Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the Two-Footed Podcast. It is Monday, the 14th of June. We're brought to you by epilindex.com in association with our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider that's a virtual privacy network, allows you to go online, change your location, access American Netflix, it keeps your data safe. LibertyShield.com, EPL VPN, get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide, homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And once again, folks, do check out what is happening in the Republic of Ireland in terms of the MICA scandal, MICA. Search it on Twitter, search it on Google. You'll find it, read about it. It is absolutely horrible what families are having to suffer through because of a lack of building, building regulations in Ireland during our boom. Right, folks, I suppose the best place to start today is to just be thankful that Christian Eriksen appears to be okay. He appears to be on the road to recovery after suffering a cardiac arrest during Denmark's game with Finland. A very, very scary, uncomfortable moment, I think, for everybody who watched the game, everybody who's a football fan, and surely everybody who is a player, whether at the tournament or not, to see one of their peers collapsed the way he did, age 29, right in his peak, seemed to be in perfect physical fitness, for perfect health, and you just don't know. You just don't know. Um, but thankfully, due to the actions of his teammates, uh, in particular Simon Kiar, and I think massive credit goes to him, the response team, the medics, thankfully, it appears like Christian Eriksen is going to to get at the other side of this. Now, whether he ever plays or not is irrelevant. I'm sure he would like to play again, but if he can't, he's had a tremendous career. He has. And I don't think there's any other way to look at it other than that he, he has had a tremendous career at Ajax, at Tottenham. He was part of what is arguably the best team Tottenham have ever had. Certainly the best team they've had, I would say, since the 60s. And he's gone on to Inter Milan. Didn't initially work, but forced his way into the team and played a key role in them winning the title. It was really when Conte and Eriksen put their differences to one side that Inter really started to flow and, and look like a, a different class of team. Um, he has had a tremendous career, and I think we should all celebrate his career if, if it has come to an end. Um, I did see some silly, silly people trying to do you know the point-scoring thing uh, by tweeting out their support for him, and then like including a picture of him walking by a Champions League winners or the Champions League trophy when Tottenham had lost the final, like you'd have to be really pathetic to put that tweet out to try and score points, to try and seem like you care, but also just to score points, and then claim it was banter. You'd have to be really pathetic to do that, and I did see people do that. So I say to them, "What are you doing with your lives?" Sort yourselves out. Have a bit of humanity, a bit of decency for once. Just once, a little bit of decency about yourselves. But thankfully, it looks like Ericsson will be okay. Now, I think there's a lot of people who are going to need to be questioned on this. The camera operator who was told to go and look for Ericsson's partner in the stand and, and focus in on her needs to tell people who told him to do that. And whoever told him to do that needs to be fired. 
uh, whoever made the decision to keep the cameras on Ericsson as he lay on the ground um, fighting for his life needs to be fired. Gary Lineker came out and said that BBC don't have control over the images that are shown. And that's fine, but they do have control over what images they show themselves. They do have the the decision to make that they could throw it back to the studio and not leave it showing a player fighting for his life on the ground. And I think the BBC's apology was pathetic. Massive credit also goes to the referee whose quick actions and quick thinking played a big part in what looks like it will be a you know, a survival. Um, Anthony Taylor's fine referee. And uh, I think he, I think he earned his stripes there. But as I said, like the only thing that really matters is that Christian Eriksen appears to be okay. Nothing else is important. Whether he plays again is, is irrelevant in, in the bigger scheme of things. It is just a game. The fact that the Danish players um, came back out to play 90 minutes later is is incredible. It shows an incredible mental toughness. Now, initially it was reported that it was the player's decision, um, but it wasn't really. They were given the decision of play it this evening or play it tomorrow morning. In truth, that game should have been called off and should have been declared a nil-nil draw. I think Finland would have taken it. I know Finland went on to win the game, and I think the class that the Finns showed as well is well worth recognizing here. Number one, the support they showed for Ericsson, whoever passed on the, the Finnish flag so that Ericsson could be protected and not viewed by the world's media as he was being stretched off. Fair play to them. Uh, I thought we saw a wonderful scene where the Finnish fans chanted Christian and the Danish fans shouted Ericsson. And there was just great camaraderie in that, in that stadium. It was, there was a together, togetherness in that stadium. You could see the Danish players when they came back out that they weren't mentally right. They had been forced to play this. Yeah, their choice was to play it tonight rather than tomorrow. But they weren't given a real choice. Um, Simon Kjær was seen crying before the game, the, the restart, understandable. Um, obviously, Heusberg was in no no fit state and he, he ended up taking a penalty, which Eriksson would have taken. And it has to have run through his mind as he stepped up to take that penalty, like Christian will be taking this penalty if he was here. And he misses the penalty. It's a good save. Finland score with their only shot in the game. Uh, Poland Palo, and I thought great class by him and the rest of the team not to celebrate the goal. Really, really respectful. Finland win the game. And it's a shame for them that what is a massive moment in Finnish football is overshadowed, but overshadowed it is, and rightly so. What happened to Christian Eriksen is the only thing that matters. And to be totally honest, in the immediate aftermath, my initial thought was, let's just call this whole thing off. Let the players go home. Jurgen Klopp weren't warned that players were going to suffer because of the condensed fixtures all season long and now having to go into this Euros in incredible heat. And he was ridiculed. Uh, he was ridiculed by Gary Lineker and other morons uh, who work for BT Sport. Ian McGarry, for one. Uh, shame on Ian McGarry. Shame on Gary Lineker. Shame on Chris Wilder, who was one of those who fought against allowing five substitutions in the Premier League this season. Now, at least in Syria, they had the common sense to allow the five subs. But we'll know more in the coming days about what actually caused this, what actually led to Christian Eriksen suffering a cardiac arrest. But for now, like as I said, players are just playing too much football at the moment. That's as simple as that. They're exhausted after a long season. This competition is the last thing they need. Um, the fact that it's still Euro 2020, despite the fact that we are in 2021, shows that this is just about cash because UEFA had spent all that money on branding and didn't want to let it all go to waste. So that's why we're having a competition right now. Uh, so through the weekend, we are now seven games into the Euros. Italy beat Turkey in the opening game. Turkey didn't really turn up. We're very, very poor going forward. Very disappointing. But Italy looked very, very good. Um, I thought Barella and Berardi were tremendous. 
Spinozola, I'm not a big fan of, but he did have a very good game. Jorginho had a good game. For me, Barella was the standard player of the game, but it was great to see Immobile and Inzaghi, uh, Immobile and Insigne both scoring. Uh, Mary Demerel with the own goal to get things started. Big win for Italy. I think Italy, of all the teams I've seen so far, Italy were the one that impressed me most. Uh, Roberto Mancini just has them playing really well, and credit to him. And he looked resplendent in his powder blue jacket. Uh, very similar to the uh, suit that the manager of Italy wore in the 1982 World Cup, I believe it was. Um, Wales won, Switzerland won. With respect to Wales, they got outplayed for about 85 minutes of the 90. Breland Bolo was the best player on the pitch by a country mile. He had put Switzerland one up with a header after Danny Ward had made a really good save from Mbolo. Jordan Shakiri corner. Breland Bolo header 1-0. Five, uh, 25 minutes later, though, Kiefer Moore, again, really, really good header, made it 1-1. That was all Wales really offered in this game. Wales were poor. Gareth Bale was poor. Aaron Ramsey was a non-event. They worked very, very hard, but their defence struggled desperately to cope with Mbolo's pace and power. Thought Joe Roden looked quite poor. Chris Meffham did well. And I thought Ben Davies did really well from left-back, covering the two centre-backs. But Wales are going to have to improve if they want to get anything out of their next games. If they play like that against the Italians, they'll get wiped off the field. Um, Turkey just depends on which Turkish team turns up. Then we had the, the Denmark-Finland game. We, we won't talk about that anymore. Um, Belgium 3, Russia 0. Russia doing themselves no favours by you know refusing to kneel. And then by their fans booing um, non-stop while the Belgian players did take the knee. Romelu Lukaku seemed to take that personally. And uh, he just set out on a mission to absolutely annihilate the Russians. Somyanov, the Russian centre-back, that is maybe the worst centre-back performance I've seen at a major international tournament from a, a major international nation. Like, if he was playing for, I don't know, like Liechtenstein or something, you'd be like, oh, you know, fair enough. Like, it's probably a plumber Monday to Friday. This guy's a professional footballer, and he played like that. Uh, Russia were were very disappointing. Very, very disappointing. Um, really disappointing not to see Moranchuk start. I, I thought he would have made a big difference in that Russian midfield. Just as somebody with a bit of creativity, a little bit about themselves. The um, the big blow for Belgium in this, Timothy Castagnier now done for the tournament with a fractured orbital bone after a bad collision. Looked initially like it could be worse, but it's a fractured orbital bone. He is done for the tournament. And that is a big shame for him and a big shame for Belgium because um, he came into the tournament in good form. Moving on to yesterday, England won, Croatia nil. I thought England played okay. I thought they had a couple of players that really stood out, but Croatia were desperate. Really, really disappointing. Really, really poor. Seemed to just not turn up on the day. Seemed to lack energy, lack enthusiasm for it. Now, there may be a long game that they're playing here and that the team that finishes second in this group will get a much easier path through to the semifinals than the team that finishes first. So the Croatians might have had a look at this and thought, right, we win our next two, finish second. That's our path. England, despite the fact it's a really good win, despite the fact that it's a confidence-boosting win, it really may hamstring them in the long term. Raheem Sterling and Calvin Phillips were the two standout players for me, though I do think Mason Mount played particularly well. Um, I, I thought Calvin Phillips was absolutely fantastic. With Rice holding, Phillips was able to go back to what he used to be before he met Marcelo Bielsa, which was a box-to-box midfielder, and take what he's learned under Bielsa and implement that in his game. When this guy was in the championship, he should have been in the England squad. Not starting, but he should have been in the squad. That's how good Calvin Phillips is. He's not quite as good a holding midfielder as Rice. as a strict holding midfielder. Defensively, he's just not as natural at it as Rice is. Rice is an, is, was born as a centre-back and developed into a midfielder. 
Phillips was more of an attacking player who's moved backwards. But his defensive work rate and, and ability is, is very, very good. He just doesn't have certain, certain little natural instincts that Rice seems to have positionally that he just has over Phillips. But Phillips next to that, free to be basically an all-rounder and do a little bit of everything, or in his case, a lot of everything, just tremendous. Really good on the ball, aggressive, progressive, wanting to carry the ball forward, wanting to make things happen, wanting to be productive with every single interaction he had with the ball, wanting to win the ball back as quickly as possible, give it to teammates, let them go and play. Leeds fans won't thank me for saying this, but there are top four teams that should be looking at Calvin Phillips this summer. In particular, the team that finished third, who just lost a midfielder on a Bosman, they could do it looking at Calvin Phillips because he would fit really nicely in their midfield, give them the aggression they need, the physicality they could do with, that box-to-box drive, leadership. That should be England's starting midfield for the rest of this tournament, barring injuries. Jude Bellingham will have his time. But for now, Phillips and Rice is the pair with Mount ahead of them. Mason Mount's work rate, off-ball ability, on-ball ability, intelligence, movement, ability to fill space, and defensive awareness, all very, very good. There was a lot of controversy over the decision to start Raheem Sterling over Jack Grealish. It made sense to everybody that was looking at it logically. You have Mount, you have Foden. You play Grealish, there's an awful lot of repetition between the three of them. And there's nobody who's going to run in behind, who's going to break off the ball into the box. Raheem Sterling will. Over and over and over again. He got a goal. He almost had a well, he almost had a first. He did get what would have been his second just by moving off the ball, making clever runs. He set up almost set up Phil Foden for a goal after six minutes as well. Um I thought Sterling was excellent. I thought he, he silenced a lot of people that really should just shut up. Raheem Sterling's a great player. He had a bad season, but he's a great player. The two previous seasons, he was one of the top five players in the league. How people still doubt him at this point, how there's any suggestion that Manchester City might be happy to sell him is absolutely beyond me. Give me Raheem Sterling over Jack Grealish every single day of the week. Raheem Sterling aids winning. Raheem Sterling has medals galore. Raheem Sterling turns up week after week after week. Raheem Sterling rarely gets injured. Give me Raheem Sterling over Jack Grealish every day of the week. Jack Grealish's best role for England will be off the bench. As someone to come on and change a game off the bench. Um, interesting to see Southgate go with Kieran Trippier at left back. Uh, by interesting, I mean utterly bizarre considering Luke Shaw and Ben Chilwell. Uh, Shaw in particular had a great season. Chilwell won the Champions League. So, you know, I think it's fair to say they're both coming into the tournament confident. Um, whether... I actually don't know why he picked. I actually don't know why he picked Trippier left back. And I don't think Trippier repaid his faith. I don't think he had a particularly good game. But it is what it is. That's the decision he made. Uh, he also made the decision not to include Jaden Sancho in the match day squad. You can pick 24 players and he left out Sancho. Um, very, very bizarre. Now, if he's injured, forgive me, maybe he is, but Bizarre. Gary Neville came out after the game and said that um, England's biggest asset was the manager. That might be one of the biggest piles of horse manure I've ever heard. Uh, almost as good as Rio Ferdinand coming out and saying Italy don't have a superstar. Just because you haven't heard of them, Rio, doesn't mean they're not a superstar. You've only heard of Premier League players, Messi and Ronaldo. That's it. That's all he's got. Austria 3, North Macedonia 1. This was a fun game of football. Uh, really great to see North Macedonia at a major tournament for the first time. And fantastic to see Goran Pandev score in an international tournament. He's been carrying the flag for North Macedonia for 20 years. It's 20 years since he made his, his, uh, his debut for them. What a career. Great player. 
and deserved his goal. Now, it came after a, a calamitous error from Daniel Backman, but um, it is what it is. Take your chances. And he did. He made it 1-1. Stefan Liner had made it 1-0. Uh, really nice finish. I think it was a Sabitzer crossfield ball. And Liner made a great run, tapped home the back pole, kind of a, a tapped volley across the keeper. Um, and it stayed 1-1 for 50 minutes. And then Michael Gregorich made it 2-1 two, after a great ball from David Alaba. What, what a player David Alaba is. I think people forget just how great this guy is. When he was a left-back, he was the best left-back in the world. While also being a brilliant midfielder for his country. Then he moved to centre-back for Bayern and carried Jerome Boateng up and down the field. Week after week after week. Carried him through the Champions League. Absolutely massive performances in that Champions League run where they they clinched the second Champions League in his career. What a player David Alaves. And then you see him playing for his national team. In the first half, he's more defensive, but he's, you know, he's picking his passes. He's been very clever. In the second half, then, he's just given more freedom. And he's just everywhere. Picking passes out, clipping cro- crosses in, beating people on the dribble. What a player. What an absolutely wonderful player. He's going to be a huge loss for Bayern. That Austrian team is a lot of fun. I really like Javer Schlager, the defensive midfielder. I think everybody likes Sabitzer. Conrad Lehner, it's great to see him back. Um, missed most of the season with, with an ankle fracture. Um, Kalasic up front, really talented. Uh, Baumgartner up front, really talented. Stefan Leiner on the right, just endless energy. He reminds me a bit of Zabaleta, that same type of player. Um, Marco Arnautovic would come off the bench to score the third. And... Um, being Marco Arnautovic, of course, now there's controversy. So he he made a hand gesture, which in the last few years in America, under the orang the orange orangutan, became a symbol of nationalistic white power. He made that gesture, and then he started screaming something at one of the North Macedonian players, or maybe multiple North Macedonian players. Now, they had been they had been yapping at him, and there'd been a little bit of back and forth, and a little bit of aggro from when he came on. Now, I've seen people say that in Eastern Europe, in the Balkans, the, the, the thing he made is someone's a bit of an asshole. That's the thing you'd you do to show them that that's what they are. And that's what he was saying. You're an asshole. And his his insults were, you know, slanderous perhaps to the player's mother or something like that. But it doesn't look to have been racially motivated, but there still seems to be a little bit of nationalistic nonsense because even though he's got Albanian roots, I think he's Serbian and there was the whole Serbia-Albania distaste um, with more than distaste, obviously, but apparently that's where it's rooted. But I don't know that the 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 symbol he made is a white power symbol. That's that's basically what I'm saying. Whatever he said got said. Only he really knows what he got said, or or anybody that can read his lips when he's screaming. But um, of course, Arnautovic is involved in some sort of controversy because he just can't walk down the street without it. Uh, and then finally, Netherlands 3, Ukraine 2. And this was the best game, I think, of the tournament so far. Really enjoyable first half that somehow ended nil-nil. Memphis Depay was just electric. Denzel Dumfries at right back, really, really good. Ginny Wijnaldum doing lots of Ginny Wijnaldum things and having people ask the question of, well, why does he do this for the national team and he doesn't do it for Liverpool? Well, it's because he's allowed to play one role for his national team that plays to his strengths. And then... At club level, he's played in another role that takes advantage of some of his more subtle strengths, his positioning, his intelligence, his energy, his resilience, his defensive ability. Ginny Wijnaldum plays one of the most important roles in that Liverpool team. Maybe the most important in the Liverpool team. The, the role he plays, the function he provides, 
And look, I said said before, Ginny Wijnaldum was great for Liverpool for five years. He was great, and he leaves. He leaves one of my favourite players that I've seen wear red. He leaves with great thanks, and I hope he got all the money from PSG. All of the money. I hope he got bags and bags and bags of money. Big, huge ones. Like the type of bag you get from Ikea. You know that big, massive sack thing? Loads of them full of cash. That's what I hope he got. Um, Wijnaldum would make it 1-0 on 52 after a poor error from Bushkan, the um, Ukrainian goalkeeper. Weghorst made it two, half volley, really smart. Dreadful celebration. Dreadful celebration. Would almost have been worth, on the review from VAR, just saying, we're not giving the goal because of the celebration. If I was on VAR, I would have disallowed it for the celebration. Uh, Ukraine looked dead and buried, but they fought back. Uh, Yarmolenko, early contender for goal of the tournament. Absolute worldy from about 22 yards, bent it into the top corner. And then Roman Yarmchuk made it 1-1 with a really good header from a, uh, I think it was a Malinovsky. Was it a Malinovsky free kick? Um, Ukraine were without their best player, Viktor Shankov, but still played a lot of good football. And I think a lot of people were asking the same thing about Zinchenko as they were about Wijnaldum. Why don't we see this guy at club level? It's because Pep thinks he's a left back. Zinchenko's a really talented midfielder. Now, I don't know if he's a starter for a City in Liverpool. He'd start for United in midfield. Their midfield's poor. But, like, I don't know if he's an elite-level midfielder, but he's a very good midfielder who could play for most teams in the Premier League in the middle of the park. He's good on the ball. He's great off the ball. He's intelligent. He's He works non-stop. He has that little bit of final third quality as well. I thought Ukraine did themselves proud. I think they'll do all right in this tournament, if I'm being honest. I think I think they will do all right. Um, we do have games today. We have three of them. We have Scotland versus the Czech Republic at 2 p.m. So that'll be out. It'll be done by the time you hear this. Looking forward to that one. I think we're all Scotland. Ireland aren't there. The Northern Brethren aren't there. I think we're all throwing our lot behind the Scots. Uh, and then Poland, Slovakia at 5 p.m. That should be fun. Some decent players in that Polish team. Um, Zielinski's a, a long-time favourite of mine. And then Spain-Sweden. And I'm looking forward to seeing if Spain go with the two, le- two left-footed centre-backs just to wind Guy up. But Sweden with Kulazewski, with, with Isaac, they've got weapons that could hurt this Spanish team. Spain are very strong in midfield. And if they can dominate the game, maybe they take away the threat of, of Kulazewski and, and Isaac. But it won't be a walkover. It won't be a walkover. Um, so those are the three games today. I think they're going to be three good games. And tomorrow, obviously, is the group of death. Hungary versus Portugal, France, Germany. Uh, we'll talk about them tomorrow. We'll also talk about them on the new Anfield Index Pro Euro Incision Euro 2020 in, in 21 show that myself and Carol Matchett are doing every morning. It's a half-hour show. It's out at 11. I wasn't on it today. Um, Molly was being spayed this morning, so... My mind was somewhere else, but um, she's all good. So I'll, I'll be back tomorrow. Guy stood in for me today, so thanks to Guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's every day at 11. Monday through Sunday, no days off. Uh, match, it is, is, it has me up in the middle of the night recording this, things, this thing every day. It's very unfair. I've lodged a formal complaint with my with my line manager at Anfield Index, and I've been laughed at. So, you know, that's there's that. There's, it's good to know you have the support of those, those above you. Um, but, yeah, so check that out. If you're if you're on Anfield Index Pro, do check that out. If you're not and you are a Liverpool fan, Anfield Index Pro is the best subscription service you can get for Liverpool-based content. It's five a month. Sign up at anfieldindex.com. Um, there's a seven-day free trial, so you can check that out as well. And if you like it, just stick with it. Uh, it's really good. It, it is really good. Um, but yeah, that's that's the Euro coverage for today. There's no, there's nothing more to talk about with the Euros. I, I'm just glad Ericsson's okay. That's it. That's that's all I care about with it, with the Euros um, right now. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, we will get into the gossip and then we will get out of here. See you in a minute. Right, welcome back. Uh, so, 
Also going on at the moment is the Copa America. So there were two games last night. Um, Brazil beat Venezuela 3-0. Marquinhos, a Neymar penalty and a Gabriel Barbosa goal. Brazil dominated the game. 18 shots to three, seven on target to one, 62% possession. Um, I, I didn't watch the whole game. I watched the highlights. They looked... They looked very, very impressive. I did think Gabby Jesus was a little bit lucky to stay on the field. Um, he's a bit of a silly boy at times. For the Liverpool fans complaining that Fred started over Fabinho, no, he didn't. Casemiro started over Fabinho. Fred is actually a very good player. Fred in the midfield three is a very good player. He is similar to what Ginny Wijnaldum is to Liverpool. He's the one that fills in all the gaps. He's the one that does the stuff you don't notice. When you play him as a six and ask him to do quite a bit, it doesn't work. Play him as a defensive eight, it works really well. Don't ask him to do too much in the ball. Just ask him to do what he's comfortable with, and it's fine. And the balance they had in that Brazilian midfield, Lucas Poqueta, who's had a great season for Leon, Casemiro, and Fred, it worked really well. And uh, Bard Danilo, that, that back line looks, looks good as well. Uh, Militao and Marquinhos at the, in centre defence. And Renan Lodi at left-back, Ali Becker in goal, obviously. Jesus, Richarlison and Neymar is not an attack that's going to terrify anybody, if we're, if we're all being honest. Um, but it is about the best Brazil can do at the moment. Gabby Gold off the bench. Bobby Firmino will be an option off the bench. Vinicius Jr. will be an option off the bench. But it's, it's a long way from you know a classic Brazilian team. Uh, Colombia beat Ecuador 1-0. Edwin Cardona, an incredible free kick routine. If you haven't seen it, go and watch it. Um, I've Again, I've only seen the highlights of this game. It looked fairly balanced. I think Ecuador dominated possession, but Colombia had probably the better chances in the game. Uh, that's Group A. Those two teams are in the fifth team in that group, is Peru. Um, today, we have Argentina-Chile. I will watch that one. And Paraguay-Bolivia. So those... Should be pretty fun games, especially that Argentine-Chile game. Uh, on to the gossip then. We have a couple of days to catch up with. So, um, Everton and Leeds are both in the frame to sign Real Madrid left-back Marcelo with the 33-year-old Brazilian not in the plans of Carlo Ancelotti. This is a nonsense story from the Daily Mirror. So, Marcelo Bielsa would he would kill him with one training session. Uh, and Everton already have as vastly superior left back at this point in both their careers in Lucadinha and a good young backup. So they're not going to be looking to bring in a 33-year-old who doesn't really care about defending and has tantrums when left out of the team. Uh, Bournemouth have made another attempt to sign Arsen, uh, Arsenal great Patrick Vieira as their new manager, having previously interviewed him in February. They should have given him the job in February. Um, it would be an ambitious appointment. He didn't. He did okay at, at Nice. It, it, okay is what he did. He didn't do great, but he did okay. It'll be interesting to see. They need to make a, a good decision. They really need to do it quickly, though. They're, they're, they're losing daylight, as they say. Leicester have joined Liverpool, Chelsea, and Tottenham in the race for Pats and Daka. I, I don't know that they have, and I don't know that Liverpool or Chelsea are in that race. Tottenham are competing for Stuttgart's 23-year-old Argentine Nico Gonzalez. Uh, Fiorentina, I believe, to have made a £21.5 million bid. Really, really talented. A little bit injury-prone. But he could be a very good fit for Tottenham. Now, if they kept Kane and had him, had Gonzalez, Kane and Son, that would be a, an immense front three. Um, newly appointed Celtic boss Ange Postacoglu is keen to sign Brighton goalkeeper Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan, who he previously managed when in charge of the national team. Uh, this sounds like a reporter putting two and two together and getting five. Uh, maybe there's some truth in it, but I don't know. Uh, Manchester United are working on a new deal for 21-year-old England winger Jaden Sancho, including more success bonuses after Dortmund rejected an initial bid the Bundesliga club want a transfer fee of 77.5 million and add-ons take an overall deal to 86 million this isn't true this is not true they want 85 million 
and add-ons to take it to 100 million. This isn't hard. Stop listening to what Manchester United are telling you and listen to what Borussia Dortmund are telling you. They want 85 million plus add-ons. They want 105 million for Jadon Sancho. They want the fee they wanted last year, so just that this year they're willing to take it, take at least part of it in installments. But they want them to be real installments, not if he wins a Ballon d'Or or the nonsense that United included in previous deals. We had lies from Laurie Whitehall uh, in a recent piece where she said he, where he said that they were only 10 million apart in valuation. Nonsense. No, they weren't. No, they weren't at all. In fact, they were 27 million apart in valuation. So this garbage needs to stop. Uh, the Sunday Times, though, you mean you can't really expect too much. Arsenal have made contact with Ar- uh, Manchester United over a move for Donny van de Beek. Arsenal had a look at him last season, made a decision not to sign him. I think he'd have been better off at Arsenal, but I don't know where he fits at Arsenal now because they've got Smith Rowe. I mean, maybe Smith Rowe plays off the left and you play van de Beek as the 10. Um, Atletico Madrid have put a £30 million price tag on Kieran Trippier in a bid to put off Manchester United with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer keen to bring him in. Uh, it's believed that Atletico were quite happy to let him go if you actually bother to, you know, read the Spanish newspapers or, you know, listen to anything that's come out from Spanish journalists. Um, Manchester United boss Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has put Anthony Martial up for sale because of his poor attitude. Uh, this is from the Transfer Window podcast. I believe that's Duncan Castles. So we'll put that one right in the bin. Um, Romelu Lukaku has downplayed any potential move back to Chelsea this summer saying he is happy at Inter Milan yeah and Inter came out and said that he wasn't for sale this summer and he came out and said he wasn't leaving Burnley are attempting to lure 35 year old English defender Ashley Young back to the Premier League with the offer of a one-year deal and a further option for 12 months, Young has previously been linked with a return to Watford, has already been offered a new one-year deal by Inter Milan. This is true. Chris Bowden, so a great Burnley reporter, he's reported this as well. Um, it, it, it indicates to me that Burnley aren't giving Sean Dyche real money to spend again, though, so that's a concern. Um, that's a big concern. Manchester United, oh, sorry, Manchester City have shelved plans to try sign Nuno Mendes from Sporting Lisbon until after the European Championship, leaving Real Madrid to make a move. See, this is this is this is nonsense. This is utter nonsense. They don't. No club does this. No club says, "Oh no, you know what we'll do? We we won't bid them now for a month." No, no, we'll we'll wait. We'll we'll hold off for a month and we'll wait. Nonsense. Utter nonsense. Barcelona will tell Usman Dembele to either sign a new contract or leave the club. No, see, again, no, they won't. They will beg him to sign a new contract. When he says no, they will offer him more money and beg him again because they paid 105 million for him. His value now is probably 35 to 40 million, and Barca aren't willing to take that kind of hit. They'll take it if they have to, but they're not going to push him out the door. Wolves' newly appointed head coach Bruno Laga has told. Portuguese midfielder Ruben Neves and Adama Traore oh, has been told that they, they'll be put up for sale. Uh, this is from 90minute.com, so again, we can put that in the bin. I don't think it's true. I would imagine they're open to selling both at the right price, but they're not up for sale. There's, there is no such thing really as up for sale in football. This is not, this is not a shop. This is not a, you know, a garage sale. You're not, you're not empty, emptying the concept of a garage out into your front lawn and sticking a sign there saying free crap. Nonsense. Um, Barcelona have off, are poised to offer Ilex Morava a new long-term deal. Having uh, He was previously linked with moves to City, Chelsea and United. He's meant to be exceptionally gifted. So it makes sense they would want to keep him. Because you know him, Pedri, Ansu Fati, they need to start building around these players. Everton are interested in signing 31-year-old Brazilian goalkeeper Neto from Barcelona. Neto has been linked to pretty much every club in Europe over the last three months. He is absolutely available, but I think Barca are, you know, are hoping beyond hope that someone will come in and take him off the hands. He's not very good. They gave him a big contract when they signed him, and um, they're desperate to get rid of him because they're in such a mess financially. 
Leeds have held preliminary talks with Club Bruges about signing Noah Lang. Uh, Noah Lang's very, very talented and could be a lot of fun at Leeds under Bielsa. Kylian Mbappe has, caught, has cast fresh doubt over his future at Paris Saint-Germain, admitting he did not does not know if the club is the best place for him. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard for him to figure that out either. Though. Like, how do you really know unless you go somewhere else? Like, he, he was obviously at Monaco, so he can compare it to how he felt at Monaco, but he was also 18 at Monaco. He's 22 now. He's a different person. France winger Kingsley Coleman is asked to be given a wage that matches Robert Lewandowski as he looks to renew his new contract. Again, this is fake news. This is from Mar- Marca in, in Spain. German publications have said what he actually asked for was a wage to match Leroy Sané, who they signed last summer and is on about five times as much as him. Coleman is not satisfied with his salary and wants to leave. I think, genuinely, Manchester United may turn around and try and sign him rather than Sancho because Sancho's proving too expensive for them. Dortmund want like 50 million now as part of the 85 million guaranteed. They don't want it over five years. They want it over like three. They want the biggest part of it now because their finances are a little bit screwed after COVID. And I don't think United are willing to pay that. Leeds are attempting to hijack Norwich's deal for Angus Gunn after a fee for the 25-year-old had been agreed. Um, Angus Gunn is talented. He had a bad time at Southampton, obviously. And his loan spell at Stoke didn't go particularly well. But he was at loan at Norwich, on, on loan at Norwich before and did very, very well. He was owned by Man City at the time. And um, he did very, very well. So it makes sense that he would go back to Norwich. And he could potentially become the number one there because Tim Krul is 34, I think, this year. But Leeds have Melier, who's 21. And is it, uh, they're about the, about even. And Melier is probably more. Melier is more talented. And Melier is only going to get better. So he's he'd be going there to be a number two. Um, I, I think at least if he went to... Norwich, he could have a chance to become number one. Bristol City, Cardiff City and Swansea City are all interested in Matty James, who's a free agent after leaving Leicester. Good good calibre championship player, no question. Barcelona are optimistic they will have a deal for Memphis Depay, who's had a contract with Leon completed in the next week. Memphis Depay is one of the most exciting, entertaining players to watch in the world. And whoever gets him, their fans, their fans are going to love him. Um, he may not always work the hardest off the ball, but my God, God, he's good on the ball. He is absolutely wicked on the ball. Barcelona are poised to make a move for Lartur Martinez. No, he's not. They're not. They're not poised to make any moves. They have no money. They're broke. They got a massive loan out to finance their other loans. They're not buying Lartur Martinez unless they sell a bunch of players, or unless they fool Inter into taking some of their crap. There's one or two at, at Barca that Inter might want. There's not many. Lazio's long-serving Romanian defender Stefan Radu could follow Simeone and Zaghi to Inter Milan, who have chosen not to renew Alexander Kolarov's um, contract at the San Siro. Radu is a, a very experienced player, uh, plays left-back, can play as a centre-back as well. As a squad player, he, he'd make sense. He, he doesn't make sense as a starter for Inter, but I don't think he would be a starter. I think if they bring in Kostic, I think he'll play as the wing-back. Um, that's what I'd imagine will take place there. Uh, moving on. Leicester are plotting a move for Phil Coutinho. No, they're not. They're just Let's let's not even entertain this one. No, they're not. Tottenham are set to appoint Paolo Fonseca as their new manager on a three-year deal. So, yeah. Just after I went off air on Friday, um, there was talk of Lupetegui before I recorded. And by the time I'd finished and and Guy had things edited, it looked like it was going to be Fonseca again. Something else happened, and I can't remember what it was. I think it could have been the Sancho thing. could have been something else. But, um, yeah, I mean, he makes sense. He's a good appointment. I I do think he's a good appointment. He's disappointing in that they were in for Conte. If Conte had never been mentioned... Fonseca would have made more sense. But because it's, you know, we're going to get Conte, we're going to get Conte. Oh, no, we've ended up with this other fella who just lost his job at Roma. It's a little bit disappointing, but he will play good football 
And I think the squad is well suited to me. I'll need a couple of pieces in. But it's a good squad. Real Madrid are set to offer Sergio Ramos a new contract as they fear Rafael Varane plans to leave the club. There is no reason to give Sergio Ramos a new contract. None. And Rafa Varane wanting to leave is not one of them. If Varane wants to leave, you'll get really good money. Just go and buy somebody else. Simple as that. Just go buy somebody else. Don't give Sergio Ramos a new contract. Get that toxic presence out of your club. Real Madrid manager Carlo Ancelotti has asked the club has asked club bosses to make a move for Timo Werner. I will guarantee you that no, he has not. Not, I hope, has he asked for Timo Werner. Nobody is taking Timo Werner off Chelsea this summer. Juan Mata will take a pay cut of set will have to take a pay cut of seventy thousand a week if he wants to remain at Manchester United beyond the end of his career. That'll still put him on probably hundred and eighty grand a week, so I think he'll be all right. Uh, no one else is going to give him the colour of that. Arsenal manager Mikel Arteta is open to selling Bern Leno this summer if a first-choice replacement keeper can be found. It won't be hard to find a better goalkeeper than Leno. It, it, like he's barely top 10 in the Premier League. It won't be hard to find a better goalkeeper. You had a better goalkeeper. You sold him last summer to Aston Villa in one of your genius moves. So well done on that one, uh, Mr. Arteta. Chelsea have made an improved offer for Ashraf Hakimi which is $43 million in cash plus uh, Emerson Palmieri. Now, the first offer was meant to be $55 million in cash. That's not an improved offer because Emerson Palmieri is not worth more than $12 million. Daniel Levy has said he will do whatever is right for the club regarding summer transfers, which includes Harry Kane's desire to leave Tottenham. Again, Daniel Levy doesn't care what Harry Kane wants. He cares what's good for Spurs. So... Uh, Harry might find himself stuck there. Uh, Liverpool lead the the race to sign Juventus' Argentine defender Christian Romero, who has previously been heavily linked to Manchester United after impressing on loan at Atalanta. Now, this one's really complicated. He has another year. He's a two-year loan at Atalanta. They have an option to buy him this summer and next summer. Now, they could buy him and then sell him straight away. But he's not Juventus' defender. Juventus have no control now over his future because Juventus are idiots. Uh, well done on appointing their now-departed director of football Spurs. Um, this was one of the worst deals of last summer. This guy is an exceptional defender. Uh, he would have been brilliant long-term next to Matthias De Ligt. And Juventus decided to loan him out for two years and give Atalanta the option to buy him either summer for around €20 million. Euro. Now, I'd imagine they'd want around €50 million. Euro. Liverpool have already signed Ibrahima Kanate. They're not going to sign another centre-back this summer. They're not going to play a back three under Klopp. So it's not going to happen. Uh, Spain goalkeeper David De Gea has said he's in the dark about his future at Manchester United. Let me, let me, let me enlighten you, Mr De Gea. You, you have no future at Manchester United. You, you have no future at that club because you have been dreadful for three years. Not one or two, three. You weren't particularly good the year before that either. You were great for like a half decade before that. Carried the team, carried the club. But you've been largely trashed since halfway through the 17-18 season. Uh, you have no future at the club. It's time to pack up and and probably move on. Um, although, make sure you get your money. Get every penny they owe you before you go. Southampton and West Ham are the latest Premier League clubs to be linked with Boa Vista, Ford, Albert, Elis with Brighton and Watford showing interest in the Honduras International. He had a good season. Don't know much about him, but I know he had a good season. Um, Borussia Dortmund will trigger a clause in Jude Bellingham's contract when he turns 18 that extends his deal by a further two years. It's a really clever deal by by Dortmund. They gave him like the, you know, this is the 17-year-old's contract, but wait, you get the 18-year-old's contract. Um, Arsenal are keen to sign Nabil Fakir, but offers from the gunner are well short of what... Real Betis want for the 27-year-old. I have doubts that there's any truth in this one, if I'm honest. I reckon this might be his agent trying to get him a new deal. West Ham, Southampton and AC Milan are in contention to sign 24-year-old Dominican defender Junior Firpo from Barcelona with the Catalan club inclined to sell to a Premier League team rather than Milan who wanted him on loan with an option to buy. If Milan want him, it might indicate that Teo Hernandez is off. If Teo Hernandez is off, I reckon it's the PSG. And if PSG land him, 
and Ashraf Hakimi. The best of luck. Juventus and Italy World Cup winning goalkeeper Gigi Buffon is set to rejoin Serie B side Parma 20 years after he left the club. I love this. I absolutely love this. Um, I hope he goes there and does really, really well. I love Gigi Buffon. I know he's still, I know he's 43, but I love that he's still playing. I love that he still has the desire to play. Um, Tottenham's 31-year-old French midfielder, Moussa Sissoko, is on the radar of Syria side Napoli. Um, I'm guessing he, he, he's on a radar screen because all the TV screens aren't working and they haven't actually seen him play. They just see this massive thing moving on a submarine and go, oh, that's interesting, as he moves only in straight lines. No diversion from the straight line. Um, Bernardo Silva is looking to leave Manchester City and both Barcelona and Atletico Madrid are keen on signing him. Again, this is from Duncan Castles. Barcelona have no money. They can't be keen to sign anybody. Um, And he would be a weird fit at Atletico Madrid. He would be a very weird fit. Considering Marcus Lauriente plays the same position and just had the season of his career, it would be an odd fit. Uh, Leeds have have been linked with Rangers 28-year-old Croatian left-back Borna Barisic. Makes sense. An attacking left back is kind of what they need. And Juventus's Roma defend, uh, sorry, Juventus's Romanian defender Radu Dragazon remains a transfer target for Crystal Palace, who've already made an offer for the 19-year-old. Um, it would be quite a, an exotic signing for Crystal Palace, so I, I have doubts that there's any truth in it. And then that's it. That is the show. That's everything for today. Thank you as always for listening. Thank you to Guy Drinkle. Thank you to Fox Hunt. Do tell your friends. Like, share, follow, do whatever you can. I'll be back on Twitter hopefully Thursday afternoon. All going well. Um, But until then, take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.